Hey, and I am back. I know I've been off piste for a couple of weeks, kind of putting a few things to rest that needed to be said. Obviously, if you haven't listened to those, go back and have a listen. There's a Caged In Confession and Superman Caged In. Kind of little bonus episodes, kind of tackling a few things like the... um, I never mentioned Fast Times at Richmond High as an episode because... Well, have a listen to that episode and you'll find out why I never did that as a full episode. And I covered the um, Superman Lives film, the kind of uh, Nicolas Cage, Tim Burton directed film that never came into fruition. I kind of dived deep into that and just had a little look of why it never happened. Um, But we are back on track this week with the 33rd film in Nicolas Cage's career, which is... The Family Man. So, I have never seen this film, so I have no expectations of what is going to happen. I have no knowledge. I have nada. Um, But before I get in to watch the film, as always, we are going to go to Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter on Twitter with a little anagram. He's known as the Anagram Hunter and he provides me with amazing anagrams every film. Just a little bit of fun and I hope you guys enjoy them. And maybe they say something about the film I'm about to watch. So maybe they give me a little clue as to what to expect in some way. So for the family man this week, the anagrams we have are many hate film or hefty mailman. The only hefty mailman I can think of is Newman from Seinfeld. And that is, for this week, my link to Seinfeld in some way. (laughs) I know I always do it, but fuck it. I'm going to keep doing it. It's that or Twin Peaks, normally. But let's get a raging with a cage. This is the Caged In Podcast where I'm watching every single Nick Cage film. No distractions or expectations are the only two rules. And I said Nicholas Cage stars in the family man and I'm going to watch it tonight. And I said Nicholas Cage stars in the family man here to see if it's good or it's shite. Hello and I'm back. I watched this film in two sittings. One of them was on a train um, to Crawley to see my family. What a fitting time to start to watch this film. Seeing as this film is called The Family Man. Released in 2000. uh, Directed by Brett Ratner. And the music was done by Danny Elfman. Uh, one thing before we get into it, I'd say the music sounds very much like uh, a Danny Elfman cover of the John Williams score for the Home Alone movie in very many parts of the movie. And it's, uh, but it was great. Uh, I enjoyed this film. It was kind of like a. Well, I don't. I don't want to say too much. Let's let's get into what happens in this, and I'll go into my opinions a bit more at the end. But yeah, sorry if I sport it for you by saying that I enjoyed it up front. But I'll get into it as I get into it. Don't worry, guys. So this film opens in 1987. 
Jack and Kate are in an airport. Jack is played by Nicolas Cage and Kate is played by Taya Leone. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, Let me know if I pronounced it wrong and I'll just tell you to fuck off online. Um, they're at an airport and he is going to take a flight to London Heathrow coming to my neck of the woods he has got a internship with Barclays Bank uh, a big British bank company I'm sure people in England know that those of you abroad might not know that Barclays yeah is big big old bank in the UK I'm not sure if they have it anywhere else in the world but that is besides the point um and they have a like impassioned like leaving moment where she's saying don't leave like we can start our life new now like you don't have to go we can just our, our life starts now afresh and she says like the plan like he's like the but the plan we have is that I go, I go off and do this. You do your thing. We meet up after this year, and our lives become great. Like I will be, I'll be a big city banker, big big city Nick. And she says the plan doesn't make us great. What makes us great is us together. Oh, oh! And I thought that's it. He's gonna stay. They're gonna have a lovely old time. But no, he's like, see ya. I'm going to London to be a big city banker. I'm Big City Jack. Um, And then we get a flash forward to 13 years later. And Jack wakes up in bed with a woman. I hope to God that it was Kate. But no, it's a totally different lady. And he's in like a... Looks like he's in a hotel room, but you find out that he kind of lives in this kind of lavish apartment complex and he just sends her off and he's like yeah maybe i'll see you tonight baby she's like but it's christmas eve like he's like so what it's just another day for me you kind of see that he's like this he's become that big city banker that he wanted to be and then there's a great scene of him singing opera and i was like bang yes we've got the cage i love the off the wall crazy motherfucking cage and that's what i love I was like, we're back to form. We're back to form with Cage. Like, I don't know, some of the films in the 90s, he was pretty, like, stilted. And this seemed madcap and off the wall. And as I said, this is this is what I like. <laughs> but with being a big city slick dick banker, he's a bit of an arsehole. He goes to work and he's kind of... He reminded me very much of, like, Bill Murray in Scrooged. That kind of like, we need to get shit done. I don't care if it's Christmas Eve. You've got to do this. We've got to get this big deal done. I'll have everyone back in on Christmas Day if it means so. He's there riding people. One guy's like, hey man, I'm just preoccupied. I'm thinking about my family. I want to get home. I want to spend like Christmas with them. And he's like, hey man, we've got this big old deal to get done. So you ain't fucking going anywhere. And he's... um. Reminded by his assistant that he's got a note from Kate and my heart just fluttered like, yes, yes, yes. And he's like, nah, not for me. I nearly married her years ago. It didn't work out. Ask his like big old boss and he's like, hey, you just want to leave it in the past. I say, I say, 
X's are like tax returns. After a few years, you just like file them away and then you bin them. You get rid of them. What a charming man. You see where Big City Jack has got his Big City Dick moves from. Um, and then he finds out that the people they're trying to do a deal with, so he works for a big like investment banking firm or something like that. He doesn't really go too much into it, but they're about to cut a big deal. But their client has got cold feet and he's out in Aspen and they need someone to go there on Christmas Day and kind of reassure him that everything is going to be all right. And without any hesitation, Jack is like, Secretary, please um, sack off my auntie. I'm not going there for Christmas. I'm going to spend it with a client. So I've got to secure this big deal. I've got to get those big old bucks. And then he is going about his day. It will... He's going about his day, he says to his secretary, like, I need you to call everyone in tomorrow for a big old strategy meeting. Again, we see this Scrooge-like persona, this, like, yeah, big city banker asshole manoeuvres. Like, it's Christmas Day, man. Give it a rest. Um, He decides that evening he is going to walk home. He's the last person in the building. Even, like, the doorman's like, hey, man, We'll get your car around, like, just have a nice drive home. Enjoy the holidays. And he's like, nah, tonight I'm going to walk. And maybe this could have been the best or worst decision he ever could have made. Upon leaving the office, he sets out on this lovely walk and snow is falling. It is a perfect Christmas Eve. And if you haven't guessed it by now, this is a Christmas film. One that had slipped under the radar of me. Someone who loves a good Christmas flick. Um, This is the second of the Nicolas Cage Christmas films. Um, If you're interested, I believe it's like episode 21 uh there's trapped in paradise with me and jomo of those movie guys so check that one out but when jack is walking home he stops off at a liquor store and he's kind of he's after the eggnog goes to the back of the store and then don cheadle's character a guy called cash money cash money comes in and says i've got this lotto ticket and the cashier doesn't believe him he's like you've drawn the lines in you're lying that is not a 28 dollar lottery ticket you are lying to me and then jack tries to defuse the situation when cash money pulls out a gun and is like give me the fucking money man this is a winning ticket like you're fucking lying and jack says hey hey man I will give you $200 for that ticket. I'll take it somewhere else where a cashier is a bit less of an arsehole and will take the money. You've made yourself $200 and everything's easy. It's it's cool. It's cool. Don't worry. And then they walk the streets together and like it's kind of this cryptic encounter because like the way that cash money is speaking to Jack is like... I don't know, he's like, he's like, he knows a lot more than he's letting on. And Jack tries to say to him, like, I'm trying to, like, I could save you. I could, like, this is not the way you want to leave your life. You want to, like, get rid of that gun. Like, there's plenty of things you can do to make your life better. And cash money says to him, you just remember you did this, Jack. You brought this on yourself. And then Jack just wanders off back to his lavish apartment to get a night's sleep to just like 
put it away from he's got a big day tomorrow he's got to go to aspen he's got the big meeting in the office like the strategy meeting he just wants to like he's like yeah whatever i'm just just going home i'm going to bed and upon waking up he wakes up in a bed this time with a lady's head upon his chest and then children run into the room and a big dog and it's Christmas Day and the lady whose head is on his chest is Kate and he wakes up in a panic and doesn't know what the fuck is going on it's kind of like that that moment in big when tom hanks awakes from the bed like where the fuck am i what the hell is going on and the instantly rushes out of the house like the in-laws are there and they're like hey hey jack how you doing like let's have a good old time like it's christmas day and he's like hold the fuck on where am i i am used to this big dick city banker living I'm here out in the suburbs. There are children in the bedroom. A lady I left 13 years ago is laying on my chest. I do not know what the hell is going on. So instantly he goes back to his apartment in the big city. But nobody there recognises him. The doorman doesn't recognise him. The like other tenants do not recognise him. They're like... Yeah, I think you I think you need some help. Don't worry, don't worry, yeah. We've got you. And Jack's like, oh, thank fuck. Like, they remember me. They know who I am. They're like, yeah, I'm sure there is a soup kitchen open, you crazy lunatic. Like, let's get you on your way. Let's get out of here. And he's like, This is a fucking outrage. I'm gonna have like I'm gonna have you fired. I'm gonna have you removed from the private parking bit you're a bitch the doorman's an arsehole and he goes to his place of work and the guy on the front desk is kind of like cagey he's like i don't know who the fuck you are and then jack says i'm jack campbell look there's my name on the i'm the fucking ceo of this company i'm the president and when he points his name is not listed on the list all intents and purposes he does not work there and upon leaving the office don cheadle arrives a big boy cash money cash money arrives in jack's ferrari from his old big banker swinging dick city life and he is playing opera he's like a flashback to jack's old life but a day earlier and he is here to drop some exposition bombs he lets him know that what is going on he recognizes him he's like hey jack i'm here (laughs) this is happening to you here this is what we call a glimpse a glimpse of what could have been essentially and you've got to figure it out. You're going to stay in this like reality until you figure out what it is you need to figure out. And I found it a kind of like cool way because like they could have gone into a lot more detail. Like you need to learn three lessons. You need to learn this. You need to learn that. But they kind of leave it pretty vague. Like once he has learned something, once like 
yeah, once like a, the morals have been made, he can go. But they don't really like spell it out for you majorly like they would in other motion pictures. But yeah, they kind of do a gag to to skirt that because he's like, don't worry, we'll get out of the car. We'll both get like, yeah, Don Chu was like, we'll get out of the car and I will like explain everything fully to you. Jack's like, oh, great. Yeah, let's let's just have a little walk. And the moment he walks out, he like leaves the car ready for that walk. Cash money just speeds off and leaves him in the dust next to his mini van that's the one uh, he then drives back to suburbia and stumbles upon like a couple who are out on their lawn he's like hey do you know how to get to this address and they're like hey we know you jack come on in your family are all worried they've been looking for you and we're introduced to arnie who is played by jeremy piven who is a friend of Jack Campbell's who he has made over that 13 years when he was living in suburbia and they kind of have a little chat and he's like let's let's just talk things over and Jack's still adamant like I am not me I am I'm somebody else this is not my life I do not know what the fuck is going on and he's like like nobody seems to get it even like he then goes home and like he's trying to explain to his wife like i'm not she's like stop stop joking jack like let's get ready like we're going to a party like you fucking ruined christmas day you've been gone for hours like you spent ages building a bike for your daughter and she has not like you weren't there to see her open the presents you've like you've been been real neglectful like you're shit and he's like Obviously, like, oh, like, I'm not me. I do not know what the fuck is going on. But they just shrug it off. It's a crazy thing about this. Like, they then go to a party and, like, everyone, nobody is, like, confused at all. Or, like, it's like, nobody mentions the fact, like, you are really fucking strange. You are not the guy we, like, knew yesterday. You, like, it's like a total 180 flip. Like, he is a total different dude. And, like, he starts to then find out, like, a bit more about the life he was living. That Kate works for a non... As, as a non-profit lawyer, something he learns at the party. He has two kids and a dog. He has a bad fashion sense. And, obviously, what he's used to is lavish suits and spending tons of money. But now he's just kind of... I imagine, like, once you have kids and you're happily married and stuff like that, like, you start to realise stuff like that doesn't matter. But obviously, he is used to this kind of decadent lifestyle. Um, he's got, like, a group of friends and he may or may not have been having an affair with one of the neighbours because she, at the party, is very suggestive, trying to, like, feed him stuff and he does not know what the fuck is going on. And then he wakes up the next day. Obviously, he was hoping he would be back in his regular life. But he is still in his own suburban nightmare. The baby is crying. And Kate is like, well, it's your day to sort it out. Go on, sort it out. And he is like, it's that classic, like, fish out of water. He's there like, I don't know what the hell is going on whilst the daughter is watching him and she says to him you're not my dad are you or something 
lot of that ilk. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. And she like comes up, like starts like feeling his face and like, like that little kid does to Robin Williams in Hook. And it's like pulling his face like, well, the aliens have done a really good job to make you look like my dad. Like, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And then she like, is kind of always coaching him in what it is, what he needs to do, what Jack Campbell does in his day to day life, what suburban Jack is about. So she's like, so yeah, you have to drive here, drop off the baby, here's the daycare, and now you've got to take me to school, you've got to make sure you pick me up nice and early, because no kid wants to be the last kid picked up, and then you've got to make your way over to Big Ed's Tires, where you work as a tyre salesman, and he gets there, and he is confused as fuck, he's like, uh, do I have an office here, do like, what am I doing, and he's straight hitting the bottle he like is just it's a total paradigm shift for what he is used to um he then goes home that night he's watching the news and he sees that the deal he was gonna do for a lot more money has been done and the guy he was giving shit for who wanted to see his family on christmas eve is has become the ceo so if jack had lived this life that guy would have become the CEO of the company and he is pissed off. But the kids are asleep and Kate is like, come on, it's our opportunity. The kids are asleep, nothing's going on. It's time for us to get busy, busy. And um, kind of gets a bit weird because she's like, he's like, I don't know. From his point of view, obviously, in his situation... I would not feel that comfortable about that because he doesn't really, he doesn't, for all intents and purposes, for 13 years, he has not known her, but he seems pretty gung-ho for it. But then we see a glimmer that he may have, like, thought about and thought, no, that's not the right thing to do because she goes in to kind of freshen up in the bathroom and when she returns, he pretends he is asleep. I think, like, you start to see glimmers that he's kind of a good guy underneath all the asshole exterior. It is just a shell. He is but an onion. There are many layers to his character. But whilst they embrace before she goes to freshen up, he looks at her and he's like, wow, you are beautiful. And she's stunned by this. She's like, I'm amazed that after being together for 13 years, you look at me like this is the first time you've ever looked at me. And it's a real sweet, tender moment. And like, I don't know, like I imagine, yeah, it's kind of, it's a message on trying to keep the love alive in relationships. And obviously, in his case, it is the first time he's seen her really in 13 years. But it's obviously a bit more poignant than that. That obviously you can find, I don't know, you can you can keep the love going for all that time. I'm a big believer in that, guys. Come on, let's just love each other. The next day, they then go to the mall. And he's pissed off because, obviously, he is not used to this suburban life. And they have to hit every store in the mall. They've got a lot of things to tick off. They obviously don't get the opportunity all that often. He's like, he throws a bit of a hissy fit. He's like, how about we go to every store? Well, and she's like, you know what? You hang out here in the men's department. We'll go do what we got to do. 
and Jack then goes to try on a suit and slips back into his old ways. He's like kind of had enough with his kind of ho-hum outfits and stuff like that. His his dad wear, like, yeah. You have license when you become a dad, so I'm told. I'm not a dad myself, but you have license to dress like a piece of shit if you want. You can you can kind of say, hey, i got kids, I can dress how I want. You start to realise, hey... The material things, they don't really matter as much. Like, the the health and the happiness of these children matter a lot more. But the suit he's trying on, Kate comes back and is like, Whoa, damn boy, you look fine as hell. And he's like, yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel fresh. I feel like a new man. I feel, feel better for just being in this suit. And she's like, oh, yeah, he's like, I might buy it. And she looks at the price tag. He's like, that is a $2,400 suit. She's like, there is no fucking way we're getting this. Like, that is insane. And he has, like, a major breakdown. Like, this is what I need, like, to be the man I am. And starts to have a tirade about, like, his old life. About, like, the kind of wall street the big the big sweat that big city swinging dick it's just swinging you can just hear it swinging he's swinging that big old fucking banker dick all over the place she's like fuck this like let's go you want to you want to buy that suit you take it out of the kids college fund you motherfucker really sticking that knife in that that classic oh you want to you want to upset the children you want to diminish their future just so you can look fancy for five minutes you selfish fuck um he then goes home and apologizes and is like that was stupid of me like i'm like I don't, I don't, I don't need the suit. And she kind of like, it's like, yeah, yeah. You're right, you don't need the suit. (laughs) And like, again, we start to see another glimmer that he is like accepting this suburban life. And I don't know, another layer of the arsehole is maybe slipping away. He then has, um, he is a bowler in this suburban life. And he shit. Obviously, the Jack Campbell that had lived there all that time was shit hot at bowling because he likes to have fun. He does not have that big city stick up his ass and is not concerned with just money, 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 excess, loose women, all that kind of shit. And his team are a bit down there, a bit like, oh, come on, man. You're normally you're normally the fucking king pin in this. And today you are being a right asshole. And at the bowling alley, he bumps into Evelyn, who is the lady at the party who was coming on to him, trying to feed him all that food. And he just confronts her outright because obviously he's confused. And for him, it's like, uh, this isn't this isn't my life. I don't care. I'm going to come out of it straight away and say, hey, Evelyn, are we are we having are we having some kind of affair? And she's like, hey, you know, when I dress up all like sexy at the parties and stuff like that, you think I'm doing that for my chump of a husband? No, I'm, d- I'm doing that for you, Jack, because I know whew, you're a bit of hot stuff. You, whew, you, you fine and dandy. And um, he then goes back to, and she's like, yeah, come round on, come round like on the weekend. My husband's out of town. The kids are out of town. We can, 
We can kick this thing off and have this affair that I've been lusting over for all this time. And he goes back to Arnie and straight away is like, hey, Evelyn, what's what's her address? Write it down on this piece of paper because Jackie wants himself some action. And like Arnie's like, no way, man. Like, that is not the way we roll. You have got like the best girl in town. Everybody is jealous of the fact that you have Kate. Do not ruin that. Like, And he makes a, this brilliant analogy and he's like the bank of monogamy and commitment um once you make her like a second withdrawal in that place your whole bank gets shut down and i was like yeah arnie you got some sense you're a good guy jeremy piven on the other hand may not be a good guy but that is to be seen apart from that's yeah moving on from that because that's all speculation at the moment he could be a really good guy who knows um he then goes home and him and Kate have this lovely, playful cake fight and end up on the stairs in a kind of loving embrace and they go to kiss and she's like, well, they do kiss and then she's like, oh, Jack, ooh, ooh. like, you know, you know what to say to get me going and he does not. He knows what big swinging dick City Jack likes to say when he's getting hot and steamy with a lady and that's, Oh, baby, you're getting me real hot. And she's like, what the fuck is that? I'm a lady of romance and the finer things. I'm not about this. I'm not just a common slag, a a hula. I'm not a lady of the night. I prefer to be wined and dined and told, I love you and you're beautiful. And being all affectionate and holding and squeezing and teasing and he's he's not got that he's up for that dirty like get them panties down go and show me that ass so their sexy time is cut short uh jack then watches a video of one of kate's birthdays and we see what a lovely and affectionate guy he was throughout them 13 years and at this birthday he gets one of his friends on the piano and he sings this lovely lovely song to her and like people are joining in and the whole party just look like they're having a lovely time and you can see that they are in a loving relationship and they are a lovely couple together and whilst watching this Jack gets teary on the sofa and you know what guys I nearly got teary sitting on my sofa this film moved me. I'm not afraid to admit it. Hey, I cry at films. Hold my hands up. I'm literally holding my hands up right now. Say what you want to say, guys. I do not mind. This film nearly drove me there. I don't like. I don't know. It's quite a, quite a touch. Now, now I feel like now I feel like I'm doubting myself. Do not doubt yourself. It's okay to get emotional from time to time. Um, Jack. Then the next morning, wakes up and Kate has got him an anniversary present and his face just washes white like, oh fucking shit. Obviously, I have not lived in this life forever. So, like, the like I've been here maybe a few weeks. Shit. 
and he has definitely not got a anniversary present. And the daughter informs him, normally you go all out, all the stops are taken. Like, you are normally the fucking don when it comes to anniversaries or birthdays, which he should have remembered from watching that video. But obviously, he did not know that the next day was going to be their anniversary. Um, So Jack then, that evening, to make up for it, takes her out to one of the fancy restaurants that he knew from his big city banker life. And, like, he's ordering, he knows all the fancy dishes to order, he's whining and dining her. And, like, they have a tender moment in the restaurant where he's like, hey, how about we have a dance? And they slow dance in the restaurant, and it's real nice. And they talk about how, like, he says, like, I want to say something to you, and kind of alludes to the, again, to the idea that he is not who he is. But he kind of says, like, He used to feel so certain in the things he did. Obviously, in that big city life, he was like very bang, bang, do this, do that, left, right. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was doing. And he says, like, now I feel uncertain. I don't know what's going on. And she she admits the same, but obviously from a totally different standpoint. And I feel like it's a very clever way to weave in, like, in life, it's, it's okay to feel uncertain that I don't know you might feel like you have a plan for things and obviously but yeah she mentions like how they didn't plan things but things happened and they talk and he says there's no other place I'd rather be than here with you and you think oh another layer of that arsehole onion has been exposed maybe we're getting that lovely the jack who lived here for 13 years maybe that man is coming to the foreground and out of the shadows you then see jack like living kind of suburban life and loving it you see those glimmers and him really enjoying it having fun with the kids and stuff like that and he's at work and he's he's doing the best he can he's like selling the tires he's been really nice to the customers and stuff like that but then, by chance, his old oh, fucking hell, his old boss from his old life's Rolls Royce breaks down right outside of Big Ed's tyres, and what a fucking coinky dink! Uh, Jack rushes straight out there and is on him, and he's like, "Hey, let me talk to you," and kind of tells him all this kind of insider knowledge he knows of Wall Street and big city banking and stuff like that. And the guy's like, wow, I'm really I'm really impressed by you. Like, how about once you fix these tyres, like, you deliver the car yourself and we'll we'll have a little chat. So he goes up to the office and sits down with uh, the new CEO, like, and the owner of the company. And he's kind of, he puts them, he's like, you're you like this you like that and like he obviously he knows insider details about their personalities and the things they like and they're kind of flabbergasted by it and like wow we we should like give this guy a job like and like the owner's like i'm up for it whilst the ceo's like i can fucking see through your bullshit like i'm not i'm not having it like he likes his like the owner likes his toys but once he's done with you i'm not gonna fucking keep you on jack then shows kate 
one of the perks of working there would be this house and she's like uh have you rented this for the weekend and he's like no i think a bit think a bit more than that she's like the week and he's like no i i, I i've got this job if i want it and i can I can start now and we can move the kids out here and we can live this city life and we can get the kids in private schools and she's like that's not that's not the life we have I don't I don't want that like I don't want these lavish things he's obviously trying to push his old life into this new life and that isn't what they've established like they've got their friends they've got and then he's like I could I could commute then. She's like, well, when would you see the kids? Like, he he just seems to be intent on this this lifestyle of money and excess. And she's like, she's trying to get through to him that it's not it's not about that. But obviously, that's what he's known for thirteen years, and he's just been dropped into this scenario. And then they head on back home, and Jack's kind of his tail between his legs, and um. He finds a ticket stub from London Heathrow back home to New York and realises that it was him who came back. It wasn't her who stopped him from going. She was like, oh yeah, like you came back the next day and it was the happiest moment of my life. And then she goes on to explain to him, like, I've got these dreams of us growing old in this house and just raising the family here and then eventually one day our grandkids will come here and we'll spend Christmases together and we'll spend time together and me and you will grow old in this house and sit on the porch and live out here in New Jersey and just kind of just kind of the idyllic thing I think like a lot of people who want families and stuff like that really want they want to make it's not just they want to make the house that they've got they want to make it it comes a lot more than just bricks and mortar memories are made inside of those four walls and she's that's what she's trying to get out with him she's like well if you want to move and chase your dreams let's do it I love you so if if that career means more to you than this we'll we'll do it but this is like the dreams I had and then during the night well the next morning Kate awakes to Jack and Annie playing in the snow Annie, the daughter, then says to Jack, I knew you would come back. Her believing that the alien (laughs) that was impersonating her father had left and her real father had come back. Again, another layer of the onion, of the arsehole, big city swinging dick has gone. and Maybe we're getting closer to the core of that nice guy, that loving Jack, who is just like, friends to everyone and loves his suburban life jack then goes to the store to do one of the most mundane and boring things possible it's snowing and he realizes that they need salt for their driveway so he heads on over to the store and you can see that he's very much become accustomed to this kind of suburban way of living because he's like wow man five bucks for a bag of salt that's that's not what that's not what I'm into. Like, I just want to sort my drive. Come on, guys! And like, he's becoming that a lot more thrifty and just like, I don't know, has those concerns instead of big million billion dollar deals with corporate companies and multinationals and stuff like that. And who is the cashier in this grocery store? 
none other than cash money. And he speaks to him and says, yo, cash money. He doesn't say, yo, cash money. I'm saying that. But he says, like, he begs him. He says, don't send me back to my old life. I guess, like, you're here to let me know that, like, this is over. This is coming to, I've, I must have learned what I've had to learn. And cash money says, but it's just a glimpse. So a glimpse is impermanent. You can't stay here forever. Jack's like, I don't like wanna I want to stay here forever. Like it's kind of the the curse of of these moral lessons, I guess. I don't know, like no Big was different because he was like, No, I don't want to be an adult forever. I don't want to be in this weird, creepy relationship with this lady who is in her, like, 30s and I am just a actual child inside of a grown man's body. Because this is weird. Um, this is a bit different to that because, obviously, he's been shown maybe the other side of the looking glass and it's a lot nicer and maybe he had made mistakes in the life he had led and has realised that money and fame, well, not fame, but money and, yeah, being that powerhouse of a Wall Street guy isn't what it's all about. Sometimes you're best to be Homer Simpson than Jordan Belfort. Yeah. (laughs) And then he goes home to say his goodbyes because he knows this is the end of Suburban Jack. First, he goes to Annie and says, I'm going back to the mothership. And then goes to Kate and says to her, promise that you'll remember me from these weeks. Promise you'll never forget who I am. She's She seems bewildered and she's like, yeah, no, I promise. She's like, no, please promise me again. This is, this is what I want. She's like, yeah, come, just come to bed. Yeah, yeah, I promise, I promise. Just, just come to bed. And he's like, I've just got one more thing to do. And he walks the dog one final time. And whilst the dog is, I presume, shitting in the park, he looks up to the sky, closes his eyes. Snow falls upon his face, just like that night before this all happened on Christmas Eve when he left the office and ran into cash money. He then returns to Kate's bedside and sits there in an armchair and just watches her intently trying not to go to sleep. But inevitably, he does and wakes up to a phone call and is back in his Manhattan apartment to his old life and opens the door to a surprise. And it is the lady from the beginning of the film the 13 years later and he's back to his horrible existence the one that he had grown to almost hate and learnt that this is not what life is about and like pushes her aside she's come scantily clad she's ready for action she's like happy birthday uh, happy christmas oh it's time to get sexy jack and he's like no it's, it's not christmas like 
for him all this time's passed she's like no it's, it's christmas day but it can be any day you want it to be it can be your birthday it can be valentine's day it can be sex day because that's what's going to happen let me in this place <laughs> and jack just like on christmas day in the side universe suburban verse he runs out and goes straight to the house that he had lived in for the last month or so and knocks on the door and says hey it's kate here hoping that maybe somehow she had managed to in her life move to that place but unfortunately she had not and then he goes into work because he got a me- he got a phone call and they're like, shit, you're supposed to be here like half hour ago. You've called this big old meeting, this strategy meeting, and everybody is on high alert. We're ready to rumble. We're ready for action. And when he arrives, he's kind of like, what the fuck is going on, guys? Everybody's up in the air and does not know what's going on. They're like, oh, the deal we were going to do, we, it looks like we're going to lose it. They're going to move for this big European company. And he's like, hey, guys, let's chill out for a moment. Like, you find out who the European company are, and I'll go to Aspen and tell the, like, the owner of this company, it's a big idea, and that company are the devil. And he leaves that office with no intention of going to Aspen. He goes and freshens up and manages to find that Kate lives in Manhattan and gets her address and turns up to her apartment whilst removals men are leaving and goes up to the apartment is met by her snotty PA who calls her out and she's like hey Jack yeah like I'd left you a note at your office like I wanted you to call me like yeah I'm moving to Paris and I've got a box of all trinkets and stuff like that from when we were dating all those years ago that I was just going to throw out but I thought you might want them and he's like oh you're you're moving to Paris is there any chance we can just go for a a coffee and talk because obviously he's had all this time to to get to know her in this kind of weird dream or moral lesson taught to him by some kind of ghost of christmas side or present or however it would be or yeah parallel dimension and she's like i've got to move i've got to like i've just got to get this done like hope you're well and like let's just let's just move on jack goes back to his apartment and flicks through the boxes and reminisces about all of the stuff that they're doing and he's like gets a call and they're like you're gonna be late for your flight and he's like you know what i'm not taking that flight to aspen i've got more important things to do and he rushes straight to the airport and rushes to kate at the gate and she asks him she's like whoa jack what the what the hell are you doing here do you need closure she's like i was in love with you and like it really broke my heart for ages and ages and but I got over it, and I'm sure sure you can get over it. Like, we can, everything can, like, you'll be fine. And then Jack goes into a list of things that he saw in this fever dream or gift he was given of a life he could have had. And just 
blurts it all out and he says, so we have two kids, they're amazing, we've got a precocious daughter, we've got a child who may not speak, but he is so, so smart and you can tell he's just taking it all in. We live in New Jersey, we've got a place and eventually it'll be paid off and we both have jobs. You work as a non-profit lawyer and he just spills his guts of everything we've seen whilst he was living in the suburbs and you see a glint in Kate's eye and he's like, I'm sure you can get a flight anytime you want, but just have a coffee with me. And he says, I've seen what our lives could have been together and I choose us. And Kate doesn't get on that flight for Paris. They get coffee and then the credits roll. So I'm not sure if you can tell guys, but I really enjoyed that film. Um, I don't know if it's something about, I don't know. I'm, 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 definitely like a romantic at heart and stuff like that but there's something about these kinds of films like it kind of very much reminded me of a christmas carol story and a bit of a like groundhog day like all i kept thinking was if this was made in the 80s it would have 100 percent have been made with bill murray but i'm so glad it was made with nicholas cage because he has the perfect acting chops to play that arsehole but he does have a glint in his eye that he can be a nice loving guy we've seen it in the past we've seen it on um it could happen to you that he's just got this real kind sensitive soul deep down there and (laughs) we definitely see this with the character of jack campbell and he plays the as i said he plays the both parts of that character so so well as for the rest of the cast like taya leone is great in this film she is just um i don't know she plays that again she plays both of those things really well and is just real fun and plays like brilliantly against nicholas cage so that is what i thought of the film again i really enjoyed it i would definitely recommend it to people but let's see what people online have said so the scores we have this week, there's only two of them, and they come from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. So let's dive straight into those. IMDb, 6.7 out of 10, and Rotten Tomatoes, 53%. So this film is kind of, by popular opinion, is middle of the road. I probably enjoyed this film a lot more than those, but that is one of the glorious things of going into these films with no expectations. I could have been put down, I could have been, oh, I'm not going to be in for a good time, but I just went in it on face value and just kind of got swept away in the magic of it all. And yeah, as I said, I'm a sucker for these kind of tales. Like, I like these, I I like that, I like the morality in it and stuff like that, but I also like the kind of supernatural element to a degree of like i don't know yeah i've always loved like groundhog day i've always loved um especially love scrooged and a christmas yeah a christmas carol like muppet's christmas carol lovely yes please i will have that any day of the week um so that is it for this film and next week i will be talking about captain corelli's mandolin also from the year 2000 so come back for that one uh i've never seen it so we're gonna be in for a treat if you have seen it or if you haven't you've got like a week to watch it if you watch along with this or 
or don't, because obviously I will say everything that happens in it. Anyway, um, there's a few like thank yous I want to do at the end of this episode. I want to thank, as always, Thomas uh, W. Hunter on Twitter, the Anagram Hunter. Check him out for obviously providing the anagram at the beginning of the episode. Um, I felt like your anagrams didn't necessarily come true this week which is a a good old yay uh, <laughs> because they seemed pretty negative and this film was a joy and i want to say a massive thank you to james hunt of the sort of lonely podcast uh, if you're not listening to those guys definitely get on it they have recently released a halloween episode which um i haven't listened to yet but sounds great i know there's a ouija board involved so if you're not listening to the sort of ghostly podcast i don't know what the fuck you're doing but james um designed all the banners for my website so that's uh www.cagedinpodcast.com um yeah and they're all amazing and i made that website with squarespace because i listened to loads of podcasts and it seeped into my brain i thought yeah that's a great idea and it is a great website and um yeah, I kind of got my head around like the mobile functionality of which, which part of the banners would be shown and stuff like that. But they look great. Go on that website and check that out. And check out James's um, graphic design company, which is Vampire Dash. No, uh, yeah, Vampire. Yeah, Dash. I design. It's great. He's just opened an Etsy store and is uh, releasing like loads of prints and stuff like that throughout. The whole of October, he kind of designed a poster every day based on a Halloween film. So alternate like posters and stuff like that. And they are all amazing. I've shared a few on Instagram and stuff like that. So definitely check those out and buy stuff from him because he's a lovely guy and has been a former guest on this podcast and was a joy to have on. And I'm sure I will have him on at some point. And as for other podcasts, I think you guys should be listening to, as always, um, Bitter End Podcast. Those guys, The Bitter End, are amazing. They're just on hiatus at the moment, waiting for their next season to drop, which will be the Home Alone franchise, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, I love Home Alone uh, very much. One to uh, three. I've never seen four and five, but I'm very much looking forward to those guys dissecting those those films and just seeing where they run with it because it's always a joy to listen to those guys and my good old buddies over there in Michigan kicking back chatting shit about movies those movie guys uh I guessed on an episode of those a few weeks of theirs a few weeks ago they had some turbulent times they weren't sure whether they'd be able to continue but people have pulled together throughout the podcast community and have helped those guys get back on track and it's amazing because their podcast on a Wednesday for me is always a treat and a super funny and super lovely guys so yeah check out those and as always uh this podcast has been brought to you by a lack of sleep a stupid idea and cigarettes so I have been Petrus Pat Syllabus I've been caged in you've been rad Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drooptown Limery, Maine, Franchise, and many more to come. 
Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.